0: Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. This week, we're talking playoffs. The round of 16 starts next week with games starting Tuesday, March 3rd. So here to break down all eight round of 16 matchups with me is David Hine. Dave, how are you feeling? Getting ready for for postseason time.
1: March Madness is upon us. The other March Madness, the BCL March Madness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Unlike the other March Madness, remember the round of 16 is best of three. So uh, the number one seeds from each group in the regular season will play the number four seeds. The number twos will play the number threes and they are best of three series for the round of 16. We'll talk about all of those matchups in a few minutes. Later on the show, we have Brandon Brown, the great guard from Nizhny Novgorod. Brandon helped lead Nizhny to the playoffs, averaging 13.9 points and 6.3 assists per game in the BCL as they got the third seed. He talks about their matchup with Dijon, uh, his fascinating career trajectory and a lot more. So stay tuned for that later in the show. But first, the round of 16 preview.
1: Just great team basketball from Zaragoza. Power check. Oh, on the big finish. Big time throwdown.
0: Dave, let's start at the top left side of the bracket. Zaragoza, the number one seed from Group D, going up against Lead Cabellas the number four seed from Group A. Uh, some key transfers and injuries for Zaragoza with big man javier who getting injured for the season they just brought in jason thompson a guy who has nba and Euroleague experience at the center position so a big move there uh my question for you though dave is zelko sakic the best player in the series and is he good enough to help lead cabelas uh advanced past Zaragoza into the quarterfinals
1: um i i i, I don't know about the best player uh, but I, and I, and I don't think he's going to be good enough. I, I, I don't see them getting a win. Um, sorry, um, Lee Cabela's fans and, and, uh, fans of Sokic and, and, and whatnot. Uh, I, I just, uh, I just think that there's, um uh, there's just way too much talent on the Saragossa side, even without, uh, just like you said, they brought in, uh, uh, Tom so, Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the fact that saragossa is the second worst team in free throw percentage worries me a little bit they only sh- they, they don't even shoot 66% uh, and they do turn the ball over a lot but uh, i just i just don't see saragossa i don't see saragossa losing twice um, and that's what i think it would be i don't think that Lee cabellas can win two games i think uh I think Zaragoza would have to lose two games, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Zaragoza, the deeper team, much more talented overall. They have home court advantage. I'm with you. I think they sweep this one and uh, win the second game on the road in Lithuania to get the sweep over Lead Belis. Look for DJ Seeley, Nicholas Brasino, Robin Benzing. All, all of these guys are, are capable of going off for 15 to 25 points on a given night. So I think uh, enough of those guys will come through Zaragoza to sweep Litka Belis and move on to the quarterfinals. Next up... The winner of that series will face Tenerife or Ostend. Some keynotes here. Santa Usta will be out for Tenerife with a torn ACL. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he can recover and, and come back strong maybe next season. Uh, but Ostend also with an injury issue. Siobhan Thompson, their double-double mas- machine, is out for two months. That's a huge loss. And Brian Angola, one of their best scorers, transferred to Partizan. Uh, Dave, I'm going Tenerife. In a relatively easy sweep here, uh, do you think Ostend have have any chance?
1: You know they've won five of their last six games, um, but I mean they're not going to win in Tenerife, who haven't lost at home this season in the BCL. and uh, I, I I don't see uh, I I have I don't see that uh, I that I don't think that Tenerife will have problems. Uh, scoring against, uh, you know, it's it's a tough defense and all for 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 uh, for Ostend, but you know now with with uh, Thompson out you know, out as well, uh, there's you know that that lack of firepower has become even more of a problem. So two O for me as well. Yeah, I, sorry Ostend fans. Yeah,
0: I, I expect uh, <laughs> Georgie Sherman. Do you need to go crazy? Uh, Tenerife looking to make their third final four in their fourth BCL season. Uh, I think it
1: starts with a sweep over Ostend. Um, just one note: to sh- I mean, uh, we've 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 kind of mentioned about the the travel that Tenerife. You know, you mentioned Schirmandini, and shermandini was with the national team. You know, and uh, well, also was uh, okay. The 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 inter- inter- not intercontinental cup was at home is, um, that they ended up winning. But, you know, he was on the road with the national team and and actually was in Belgrade after they beat uh, uh, Serbia. And he was just talking about how he's pretty tired right now as far as all the travel. So, you know, with those national team guys that are playing for Tenerife, you know, they do they are they have been on the road quite a bit. Uh, But again, I I don't think that's going to be enough of a problem that uh, Tenerife uh, get upset.
0: All right, next series, Nimberg, the number one seed from Group C versus Bandirma, the number four seed from Group B. This is one of two or three round of 16 matchups that I'm really excited for. Both these teams, super high quality. Bandirma, fifth-ranked offense this season in terms of points per 100 possessions. Nimberg, the highest-ranked defense. Uh, really looking forward to the big man battle between Zach Hankins and Emmanuel Terry inside. Dave, I got Nimbrick winning this series in three games. I think home court advantage will really pay off. I do think Bandirma with Terry, with Jamie Smith, with the young guys, um, I, I think they'll pick up the win at home in Turkey. But Nimbrick with home court advantage, with Ruban, Boachik, all these guys out there uh, with, with their experience, I expect Nimbrick to... Advance to the quarterfinals. What do you got for this series?
1: I initially put uh, a sweep, and then I changed the zero to one um, for Nimbuk. for Nimburs. Um The just the defense, I think, is going to be too much for uh, for Bandirma banderma also four and four only four and three at home, uh, which I believe yeah it is actually tied with Lee Cabelas for the worst of the teams at home uh and the remaining sixteen um Denver do not shoot the ball well from outside. they're actually uh, they actually ranked thirtieth with just thirty one percent uh but i I just think that um that they will get it done and um and but i I, I do think it'll be two one. you said two one as well, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think Bandera will win the home game. One thing also to consider with Nimbark, uh even though they don't shoot the ball particularly well from the outside, they are second in the competition in offensive rebound rate. So they get the second most offensive rebounds of their misses. A, a big part of that is Hankins inside. Um, so yeah, Dave and I both have Nimbrick beating Bandirma in three. The winner of that series will face Ike versus Bon. Uh, the Greek club won this competition a couple years ago. They've had a lot of changes this season, most notably losing Howard saint uh to, to transfer to Seska, Moscow. Dave and I both had Saint-Rouz as our MVP through week 11 or week 12 of the season. So Ike losing him is big. Bon, also a huge change with a new head coach, Will Voigt. Uh, Dave, both of these teams kind of in flux right now. Uh, do you think either has a clear advantage? And who do you got winning this?
1: You know, you, you give me this one first because I'd like to hear what you say first and then uh, and then I'll kind of uh, play off that because this was the hardest one for me to pick.
0: Yeah, I, w- I went with Ike in three. I think it, it's interesting. You don't necessarily think about these two teams as great offenses, but they rank seventh and eighth in offense this season. Uh, but I think Ike with their home court advantage, the, that rabid fan base, the veteran presence of a guy like Nico Zizis on the ball – uh, Jonas Machulis, Marcus Slaughter, up and down this roster, you have veterans who've won championships at various levels. I think that plus the home court advantage is going to be uh the deciding factor for Ike. I gave Bond the win in Game Two just because we had a uh, Martin Broennig on the podcast last week and he was very lovely.
1: Uh, so I think you know
0: we'll we'll give Bond the benefit of the doubt. The, von, out, so the Montana game love, game right?
1: <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Shout out to uh, to a former Grizzly, Martin Breunig. Uh But I got Ike in three.
1: Um, I th- I think Zisis actually is gonna be the deciding factor for me, and I ended up putting 2-1 for, uh, for Ike. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all, though, if um, uh, it actually to it actually wouldn't shock me though if bond sweep, and I'll say it like this because Ludwigsburg was the first game. Uh L- Ludwigsberger was the first opponent for Bonn after the coaching change, and they said afterwards that they didn't really know what to expect from Bonn. You know, also because it's a coach that came outside, we talked about that with, with, with Martin Bronig as well. Um, and they only shot night Bonn only shot nineteen percent, and so they probably in theory could have won that game if they had shot a little bit better. They only lost by six. And uh and then they beat Geisen and scored 112 points, three quarters of, of 30 points or more, and only turned the ball over nine times. Giessen's not a fantastic, you know, a great team. Um, uh, only nine nine turnovers in both games. Ludwig Ludwigsburg is a pretty um, is a pretty uh, defensive minded team. Um, so if I don't really know necessarily, there's not a, there's not a lot of game footage. There's really only the two games of Bonn. Under the new coach, so if 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 they don't know what to expect, and 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 Bond can get the road win to start, um, which I think they're good enough to, uh, even though they're only two and five on the road in the BCL, they're six and one at home in the BCL. And and I do think that they would win that game, and so I, I it wouldn't shock me at all if they do sweep. But I do have—I know this sounds really weird—but I do have Ike winning
0: two-one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that's a great point about the new coach coming in. You don't really know what to expect. Uh, sometimes new coaches like different players. So there might be some different lineups. Uh, I think I think that's a great point. And yeah, I am picking Ike, but not feeling you know super confident. Not not as confident as uh, you know say, Tenerife versus Ostend or something like that. Moving over to the right side of the bracket, and at the top, it's the all-Turkish battle. Turk Telecom, the number one seed from Group A, versus Besiktas, the number four seed from Group A. D Turk Telecom, one of the best teams in the competition all season, they finished 11 and three top three in offense top 10 defense, uh, just a loaded team. There's a good interview right now with Nick Johnson up on the website championsleague.basketball. So go read that. Uh, Dave, I, I think, you know, Besiktas, they beat Turk Telecom in December. But that was when Shaquille McKissick was still on the team. He was their leading scorer in that game. Uh, he's now gone from Besiktas. I think Turk Telecom just have too many weapons with Mustafa Fall inside, uh, Kyle Wiltshire bombing threes, Muhammad Baigel, Nick Johnson on the perimeter. I'm going to go with Turk Telecom in a sweep. What do you think?
1: I put a sweep as well. Um you know, their Turk Telecom is the number one uh, team in three point shooting, uh, over forty percent. Uh, they only—they're actually—they actually, um, actually force the second fewest turnovers, uh, and their opponents actually have a two to one assist to, to turnover ratio. Um, and and Bashik does actually allow the second fewest uh, opponents' offensive rebounds. I just don't know if there's going to be enough offensive rebounds to be had because I think that the telecom, Turk Telecom, is going to uh, probably make enough shots, and I and I have a sweep as well.
0: All right, the winner of that series will face the winner of Dijon, the number two seed from Group D or Nizhny Novgorod, the number three seed from Group C. We have Brandon Brown, the Nizhny guard on the podcast uh, coming up in a few minutes. He talks about this matchup a little bit more in depth. One thing he mentioned is the travel to and from Nizhny could be a, a factor in favor of Nizhny, one of the reasons why they're so good at home this season. And actually, there's an article on the website right now, Champions championsleague.basketball with Richard mm-hmm. Solomon from Dijon. He said that before the draw, the only thing he was hoping for is that they wouldn't have to go to russia and that's exactly what they have to do so dijon will play the first game at home in france then make the long trip to freezing cold russia uh i think that's going to be a pretty big factor i think brandon brown is a great matchup with david holston from dijon i expect dijon to win it but uh i'm going to give nizny game two in russia and say dijon win this
1: one in three what do you think about that dave (laughs) um I, I, I see your home win in Russia and raise you a road win in game one and and uh, pick a wow. sw- pick a sweep actually
0: okay what's your what's your thinking there
1: uh, as we talked to uh, as we talked in the in the interview spoiler alert I guess uh, but um, uh, I, I really like the fact that Nizni has been in so many uh, tight road uh, tight games and they're four and one in games decided by three points or fewer and um, and also facing all of those tough opponents in the um, in the in the VTB uh, I, I think those that that's going to be a I, I think that Nisney is going to be able to keep the tempo down and um and so this game will be lower scoring than what uh, Dijon would maybe want to be able to do, and uh, so that's why I and I think it'll be a close game, and 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 um, Dijon just don't have the experience of playing close games and uh, in the BCL, and so I think that the. Um, I think that Nisney come through. They don't uh they don't allow any offensive rebounds. They're the third best uh they uh, uh, allow the third fewest offensive rebounds. And so if they can keep those athletic guys off the offensive glass and keep them to one possession, um I that's why I think that is going to get this done.
0: All right, moving on to the bottom right side of the bracket, Hapoel Jerusalem, the number 1 seed from Group B, the number 1 offense in the competition this season, going up against Peristeri from Greece, the number four seed in Group C. Peristeri do have the third-ranked defense, uh, so maybe... You know, they might have a little bit of hope of of slowing down Jerusalem, but I would add that's uh, probably skewed by playing Gaziantep and Vefriga Riga and and some of the bad offenses that they faced in Group C. Dave, I think Jerusalem probably come out with the sweep in this one. I think between James Felding, Tayshon Thomas, Jacobin Brown, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Just so many weapons on that Jerusalem team. Plus, they'll be really hungry to, you know, advance after making it to the quarterfinals last season almost making it to the final four i think you're going to see a really hungry jerusalem team who come out blow them out in game one and wrap it up in game two uh do you give peristeria much of a a chance in this one
1: no no, (laughs) not really (laughs) uh yeah i i i i think for all of those reasons um you know the the one thing that you can look at and say, well, question maybe not maybe is um is that Jerusalem they 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 allow their opponents to shoot thirty five thirty eight percent on three points on three pointers, but I just don't see Peristeria as a team that's able to take advantage of 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 maybe a lack of of uh, three point defense. So yeah, sweep on my side too.
0: All right, and the last matchup of the round of sixteen. The winner of Jerusalem and Peristeri will play the winner of this series. That's Dinamo Sassari, the number two seed from Group A, versus San Pablo Burgos, the number three seed, from group B. Uh, Dave, I really struggled to make a prediction in this one. I think this, uh, along with Nimberg and Bandirma, I'm expecting this to be the best round of 16 matchup. I think these two teams really evenly matched, two great offenses, two good home crowds, uh, tons of athleticism on both sides. Uh, Good shot makers. I I really, you know, struggled to pick this one. I'm going to go with Cesari in three. I think the home court advantage is is going to be a factor. I think Deshaun Pierre is probably the best player in the series, although Earl Clark from from Borgos is pretty phenomenal as well. So I'm going to go with Cesari winning this one in a hard-fought, close three-game battle to advance to the quarterfinals.
1: Who do you got, Dave? Uh you know first first before I before I make a pick I I hope I really hope uh that this first game actually is played uh, it's going to be in Italy and Italy is having a problem uh right now with the coronavirus um and it's already starting to to cancel some sporting events um and uh and so i i just i i don't know if if uh if cesari if i know that's further down so i don't know if it's actually if there's been any cases uh down there um so i just really hope that this game is is played um also it was a tough pick for me uh i think the two home crowds are uh the two home uh yeah two home crowds are really strong uh, and I think it's just going to be home court advantage uh, prevailing, and and that Cesari uh, get it done. Uh, would it shock me if if Burgos managed to grab a a road victory? No, it wouldn't, because obviously that team is loaded with with talent as well. Uh, but I'll go with home court advantage uh, coming through. But again, I really really hope um, that uh, the Italians can can figure out. Uh, everything that's going on with with this coronavirus and that this game is actually played.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, uh, some more important things than basketball at stake uh, around Europe and around the world. I know there's a, a hotel that's quarantined in Tenerife right now because of the coronavirus, so that's also a, a potential factor in the
1: Tenerife series. And the thing is, and the thing is, is that you know, if if they, you know, let let's say you know, um, let's say Burgos go there and then they find a case, they might not be able to get out, you know, or when, or when they do get back home to, to Spain, they might be quarantined before they can even, you know, they might be quarantined, uh, uh, from the airport. So, you know, there's, you know, this is something that, that really going to have to watch now. Um, it just sports in general, I mean, life in general, you know, sports is, is meaningless, uh, um, uh, compared to everything. I know we're we're talking about uh, BCL so we don't want to t- you know go too much into this. But it is it, it 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 is it could have an impact on on the BCL so.
0: All right. So Dave and I both have Cesari beating Burgos assuming coronavirus doesn't uh, just ruin everything.
1: All right. So that's it for our 2020 2020- BCL Ram. well okay so let's let's review really quick so I wrote down who you have and it looks like the uh, the only one where we kind of uh, I think we agree on everybody going through except where I pick um, I picked uh, Nizni to get through and you have Dijon but I guess that's continuing on my 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 non-love of (laughs) of Dijon but uh, otherwise every you know I I think we're I think we have almost in unison on on the games as well yeah, for the uh, most yep, part. I exactly.
0: Think, I think there was maybe one or two. No, I, we're we're,
1: we're, we're, in, we're no, we're in total agreement. Uh, other than uh, other than that uh, that Disney one. Gotcha. So. Yeah, and I think
0: uh, yeah, I have all of the higher seeds advancing. I don't really see any upsets. Uh, last year, Antwerp were the number four seed. They knocked off number one, Morsi. made it all the way to the final four. I don't envision a scenario like that playing out this season. I think the higher seeds will advance. The only difference we have, I have Dijon winning in three. Dave has Nizhny beating Dijon and advancing to the quarterfinals. So that's in a sweep, in In a a sweep. sweep. So that's a good segue. Dave on the Nizhny bandwagon. Coming up next, we have our interview with Nizhny point guard Brandon Brown. He has been the driving force leading them to the playoffs he's been fantastic throughout the season helped them beat tenerife earlier in the season and now he's got a a big matchup coming up with david holston and axel julian from dijon so stay tuned for that dave and i will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up
1: lewis Lewis will drive inside the door is closed on him though so he has to come back out to brown long two and string music for brandon brown But well, they come straight back the other way. And once again, that man, Brandon Brown, is just too much for the Bamberg defense to control. All right, so on the show this week, we have uh, Brandon Brown from uh, Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, Brandon, thanks for, for taking some time.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, this has been a really exciting year with uh, in the BCL and um, just a really good opportunity for me. I'm enjoying my time here in Russia. Um, as cold as it is, but um, yeah, we're just uh, trying to get the right foot forward, and uh, at the same time, you know, just try to see some different countries and and have some fun doing it.
1: Uh, you congratulations uh, on on reaching the the playoffs. Uh, maybe maybe just uh, in general, your your thoughts about your first uh, BCL regular season.
2: Um, well, yeah, I mean, thank you for the compliment i mean uh that was kind of our goal coming in was try to make strides to make the playoffs, and so it's nice that we got there um we definitely have a tough road ahead of us um so it's um not bittersweet but there's definitely uh uh, you know you want to celebrate but then at the same time you know you have a tough road ahead of you so you want to kind of refocus and try to get back to what you know got you there um for me first season in the bcl um last year playing in FIBA europe cup you know you always want to try to challenge yourself and and see you know raise the bar for yourself and see what else you can do and so i always was tuned into champions league games last year um and just kind of dissecting games and seeing what players were doing and so uh, to have the opportunity come where i was able to play in that league the following year after playing FIBA europe cup um it was just exciting Uh, new opportunity new challenges and uh like I said, a chance for me to kind of um, hold myself accountable and, and, you know, play against some higher competition in a higher league and, and try to run with it.
1: it. It's actually been a couple of weeks now since uh, since your last BCL game. Uh, how how has the team sort of approached this period between the regular season and the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I mean, this has been a, a, a weird break. I mean, uh, like you said, we had... Uh, Uh, a while since our last game. So it's an opportunity for us to kind of refocus and get back to to basics. But at the same time, we had, uh, the FIBA qualifier, um, or the, the FIBA break. Um, so a couple of our guys were gone for that. Um, so, you know, you just, uh, you work with what you can and you try to work on what you can and try to make improvements and, uh, prepare for our next test. Um, obviously what that's going to be with Dijon. um, but yeah, we try to take advantage of this time um, of not having any games and 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 just build off the foundation that we have so far.
0: Yeah, Brandon, you guys were six and one at home in the BCL, losing only to Nimberg, and they were the team who finished first place in the group. Uh, what what is it that makes you guys so tough to beat at home right now?
2: Um, I mean, obviously. Uh, If you look at the the map of the Champions League, we are way off in the top right. So first of all, um, the travels is is tough. Um, We played Tenerife at some point earlier this year, and it was almost like a full day and a half of traveling. Um, So you factor the the traveling in, and then you factor in um, our fans. Um, We have a really good home crowd who every night comes out and supports whether we've lost three games in a row or one, you know, a couple games in a row, or just are back and forth winning and losing, they show up and they support us and they're loud and they, uh, they there's definitely an element, uh, you know, that helps with our crowd. And then, I don't know, there's a, a sense of maybe more focus at home that we kind of got to defend our home court and and teams got to come in there and beat us rather than the other way around. And so, um, yeah, it uh, home court advantage has been nice. Uh, For us, um, so it definitely is going to be tough not having it um, in the playoffs. But, yeah, hopefully with this new system being um, not aggregate games and being the best of pre-series, we're hoping that, you know, teams will have to come into our home and and beat us rather than uh, the other way around. So we're hoping to use that as an advantage.
0: Yeah, that's good, and and then if you can steal game one in Dijon, then you know steal, Yeah,
2: if we can just steal, if we can that. steal one over there, then it makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and you mentioned Tenerife. Uh, you guys beat them when they were seven and zero, and you won game mm-hmm. day MVP that week. Uh, does that give you guys, you know, some more confidence, kind of going into the playoffs, knowing that uh, they, that you can beat, you know, some of the best teams in the competition?
2: yeah i mean uh looking at it full circle i mean we play in the vtb as well and we play some really tough teams um, that are euro league teams and euro cup teams and so um competition wise we're seeing the top of the top i feel like and we're putting up good fights or if not beating some of these teams and so um our last vtb game was against kimke and um it was a, a four-point game and so uh for you know, for uh, just the opportunity to come and, and play against top teams all over the the world or Europe, to so to say, um, you know, I feel like we definitely have a chance, um, and we don't try to go in, you know, with um, we just hope to have a close game. We, we you know we try to prepare to the best of our ability and, and take that stride and take that step, try to do what we need to do.
1: We, we like to uh, kind of go back with our players that we interview and kind of talk about basketball where they grow up. Um, you know, and we, we've actually heard about uh, hoops in, in Seattle. You're from Tacoma, um, and you know, maybe mm-hmm. just how the basketball scene is there, or is it kind of just uh, southwest Seattle, you know, given that it's really only 30, 30 miles away?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a culture up there. Um, it's very tight-knit. It's very uh, family-like um, during the summertime. Obviously, people are you're from Tacoma or you're from Seattle or another sub-city in between there. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it, it's a, a kind of a hotbed where we're all just trying to sharpen each other's games and and help make each other better um, as we go our separate ways um, during the season um, we can always come back there during the summertime and and get in the gym and have a full gym of uh, professional guys college guys high school guys who are just all kind of same orient same goal oriented um, and able to push each other and try to work for common goals so it's it's the culture up there is very it's very tight knit and um it just kind of works right now there's guys all the way down from the youngest ages who um you know it's it's just kind of full circle where guys that are playing professionally are are willing to help and give back to those guys because we kind of see ourselves in them and i'm sure it happens in all cities around the states you know what i mean but um obviously i'm gonna be a little biased but um it's definitely it feels special in that in the pacific northwest the basketball scene
1: yeah, I mean for for those listening, if you don't really if you don't realize who's who's been uh who's from Seattle, uh just go put in uh Seattle basketball and, and find out some of the guys. There's some huge names that have uh uh come through that uh through mm-hmm. that city. Uh you 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 didn't have a, a very uh let's say strong uh uh high school career. Uh you ended up going to mm-hmm. you ended up going to Highline Community College and then after a year there you mm-hmm. went to Montana western uh high line basically being pe- uh, between Tacoma and and Seattle. Um yep. and then you end up in, yep. in Dillon, which is about mm-hmm. uh I guess about four thousand people and uh sixty mm-hmm. kilometers from Bozeman, uh probably, you know really just almost in the middle of nowhere, if you will. Um you know, maybe what was it like going from, you know, Tacoma slash Seattle um to to Dylan Mount, uh, Montana Western, I imagine a little bit of culture shock, probably. No.
2: Yeah, there was definitely some culture shock, um, basketball wise. I never had the uh, um, the rankings or the um, the notoriety to where I ever had the opportunity for my head to really get big, and so for me, everything was just like a new opportunity. So it was ne there was never like a oh man I'm settling or oh man you know I'm. Uh, I guess I'll just kind of have to go here and just kind of deal with it. It was always just this, like, you know, you were undersized, you weren't as talented. And so now there's the opportunity to go to community college and, and maybe, you know, you can turn that into something. And so I went there and kind of w- went all in and, and something came from that. And then the opportunity came in Montana Western where I was able to play three years instead of just two after community college. And I jumped at it and, you know, the culture shock for me was, um, being away from my family, I mean, the isolation, it was um it was nice for me because it was an opportunity for me to really step back and really just kind of grow up and and come into my own and and, like I said, like put continue to put everything thing into the game and see what it it gave me back. And so it was an opportunity for me to kind of see what I was capable of and and, like I said, continuously raise the bar for myself and and see what could come from me kind of giving everything to the game.
0: Yeah. And why, uh, why did it end up being Montana Western? Like what led you there specifically?
2: Uh, it was, a, they were the first school that, uh, offered a scholarship. And so I kind of was set on, playing three somewhere, because at when you're at community college, they kind of always talk about, you know, when you transfer, you need that kind of adjustment year from community college basketball to university basketball, and then you'll have that last year to, to kind of be adjusted and, and and come into your own. Well, I saw it as like, okay, if my adjustment year can be my sophomore year, then I'll have two years to be comfortable in playing. And I, I just kind of saw it as, it didn't, it didn't necessarily matter NCAD one or two, if they were willing to pay for my school and it was, you know, a place that wanted me, I figured why, like, why would I not come here? And so me and the coach were on the same page, um, Steve Keller. And, uh, you know, we, when I got there, he was his second year on the job and they were just gone 500 the year before and we had no plaques in the, in his office. And, um, I just kind of told him, like, I want to get some trophies in here. I want to get some plaques in here. I want to go to the national tournament. I want to be an All-American, and I want to go pro after. And I just remember he was just kind of, like, like laughing, like, don't kind of get ahead of yourself, but, like, I'm willing to help. And after that, everything was kind of history, and we still keep in touch this day. Um, but, yeah, we put some hard- hardware hardware in, in his office, um, uh And to make it come full circle, you know, when I first got my first uh, professional job, um, I gifted him my first pro jersey, and so uh, yeah, they just—I went where I was wanted, and it all worked out for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and and yeah, so you you did kind of end up doing all of those things, uh, being an all-American, ended up being one of the best. Players in the history of the Frontier Conference. Now that program mm-hmm. uh, is kind of like a consistent winner. So, you, so you did kind of foresee all of that happening when you first signed. Like those were your goals going in.
2: Yeah, those were definitely my goals. I mean, um, I, even I mean, I told my community college coach that's what I wanted. You know, and uh, he's a little bit more disconnected in the sense of once I go to a university, he's not going to have as big of an influence, but. You know, it's just like, that was kind of what I wanted to do. And I figured, you know, regardless of if I, I'm not the first player to not be NCA division one and be professional. So I figured there there was a way. And so I figured I'm going to just do everything I can and try to give myself the best opportunity to do it. And, um, and it just kind of continued to unfold and the chapters, continued to roll and, and and things just kept working out. And so, yeah, I mean, I won't say I, I foresee it, but I tried to speak it in, in, into existence and, and put the effort in to make it at least somewhat possible. And I mean, I'm sure there's some luck involved, but um, there was a lot of hard work. There was a lot of, you know, sleepless nights. there was a lot of effort and energy and sacrifices, but um, I mean, it, it was worth it. Just if this, if this was the result, I mean, I feel like that all made it worth it.
1: And then, and then, uh, started your professional career. Uh, you were in, in Australia, actually second division. Um, and you know, we've, we've, we've talked to some other guys who've been on Australia before. Uh, and then after that, actually you ended up in, in, uh, in Brazil. Uh, and I would say not Mm -hmm. many people in, in Europe, Know, know really what it's like to to play in brazil um you know you were there two full years maybe what's the game like there and, and maybe how it's different than how it's played here in europe
2: yeah i mean um it's like a catch 22 because i am appreciative of my time i spent in south america and brazil but at the same time it's like you you know like as i've come over europe i'm like damn i wish maybe I had tried to go to Europe out the jump because the basketball is just a little bit more different in the sense of like tactically um, how they think about the game and read the game and see the game. Um, It's just an IQ type of game over here. I feel like, and and that's how I enjoy playing, Um, continuously trying to learn and um, make reads and and play high level basketball. In that sense, um, I feel like the game, down there or over there as you want to call it um it's very fast and uh up and down um somewhat athletic but um which was fun for me but in the grand scheme of things um i enjoy the european style a lot more and so yeah like i said it's like it's a weird feeling because I enjoy my, I enjoyed my time and thankful for my time down there. But at the same time, it's like, you wonder what, if maybe I had started in Europe, i the jump, maybe where my knowledge of the game would be, or maybe if my IQ would be different or even the style of play would be more affected. So yeah, it's always a, a question I ask myself, but not I'm trying not to get too wrapped up in.
1: And, and, um, uh, you know, you, you really have a, uh, yeah, fascinating path to, to, to the, to the basketball champions league. You know, you think NAIA, uh, and then, um, and then Australia second league, Brazil, and then, and then you, had, you did come over to Europe, Cyprus for a little, and then, uh, Poland got hurt. And then, and then last season, uh, you know, kind of, uh, kind of got back to some of that success that you had at, um, at Montana Western uh you you helped uh, Balkan win uh the Bulgarian domestic title for the first time in 30 years in mm-hmm. club history mm-hmm. um you know you had 22 points four rebounds five assists in the finals uh maybe you know just talk about you know that must have been pretty magical feeling uh being around that whole club and 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 leading them to that title
2: yeah basketball wise that would definitely i would say be a high, the high of my career i mean uh Being able to win in college was was really fun. Um, It was a good, great experience. Um, It's what I wanted. But when you win it at the professional level, whether it's a small country or a big country, um, I feel just like there's not like there's it's pretty indescribable. I mean, being able to to hold the trophy at the end and um, you know celebrate and you win your last game. A lot of times over here, you know, you go into your season. You want to play the best you can. You want to try to, you know, set up something for the following year. You want to try to finish on a high note. Um, you want to try to get a good seed for playoffs, and then it's back to America, and you kind of repeat. And so to, to finish the season um, staying that long into uh, May and June, and, um, you know, you start to see teams go home, and you start to realize at at kind of what point is – is this going to be all worth it? And you you, you kind of just hone in on the fact that, like, winning everything will make it all worth it. And so when you, like, collectively, you have that group that's all bought in and things just start to click. And we continue to click after FIBA Europe Cup. And as we in the playoffs, we kind of hit our best basketball. Um, you know, you could see the finish line, but there was this, like, collective from the group of like remaining focus, we had a good balance of young guys and vets who were all kind of all holding each other accountable. And, you know, we had ups and downs in the year, but then we all were able to kind of reflect in the, in the playoffs and be like, look, like, it, like coming up short, is not going to be enough here. Like we've, we've worked this hard for this many months, let's finish it. And so we were able to win at home in front of our home crowd and, and being able to hold up the trophy and, and then get finals. MVP was just like, top of the top for me. Um, and then like you said, doing it after, um, being injured in Poland, it was just like, um, I was just, it was indescribable. I called my agent and just said I was thankful and, um, and I was just excited and I felt great. And, uh, I was just, it was a, a, a high, I was able to ride into the summertime, um, for a little while and, um, celebrate with my family and, uh, my son and my wife. And, and then, you know, kind of refocus and get back to business. And like I said, the, the story for me has always been trying to raise the bar. And so, um, yeah, celebrated it and then uh, put it to the side and tried to continue to raise that bar. And then the opportunity came for Champions League and uh, VTB with initially. And I jumped at it. And that's, that's where I'm at now
1: you just mentioned it and actually last season you you also helped uh Balkan uh reach the the playoffs the round of 16 you actually you and you went out actually from the from the second qualifying round all the way to the playoffs uh and then came up uh, really just mm-hmm. a little bit short just three points on the aggregate to uh Unit Halon uh and obviously you know BCL fans from last season know that uh, Halon team that then ended up going to to the FIBA Europe Cup um the, the fact that you helped that club uh, perform so well in the FIBA Europe Cup, um, which, uh, how much did that kind of help you get uh, get that spot, you know, in Disney, uh, and then obviously, um, you know, maybe what it's been like having, uh, you know, uh, play such a a big role in, in the in the team in your first season in BCL.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, it was. I, I, I've every, like my team in over there and is that, is that you guys or me? Oh, there we go. Sorry. I had a alarm going off. Um, so in Balkan, the balance for us was FIFA Europe cup and the domestic league. And there was definitely a little bit of a drop off. There was, you know, not as many competitive teams in the Bulgarian domestic league. And so the balance for us was to like be focused for FIBA Europe Cup games and we would lose focus for the domestic league games. And so that's why I was saying it was like super important for us to kind of lean on each other and like, you know, bring everything full circle um, as we went in the playoffs and, and, and got out of FIBA Europe Cup. But when we were in FIBA Europe Cup, we were kind of clicking and firing on all cylinders and putting everything into those games because we were so excited to be in international competition. Um, A lot of us had, you know, took that job as an opportunity to play in that type of competition and get some exposure. Um, And then, you know, we just like the group phase went and we took first in the first group phase and then the second group went and we did well in that. And then we qualified for playoffs and we drew a, a Champions League drop down team. And, you know, there was some concern, but it was like we've been we might as well just keep playing the same way and see what happens. And so we prepared and we went over there the first game and we put a good, a decent game together. And they hit a crazy three at the end of the game to put the aggregate score higher than, you know, it probably should have been. And then they came. To Bulgaria, and we put a good fight together again, and so, um just the opportunity in that game, you know, it was like a like okay we maybe we should give ourselves a little bit more credit and um and then, like I said, we rolled with that momentum in the playoffs, and then, yeah, I mean, I'd love to say that that maybe drew some attention from Nizhny uh playing against a champions league team like that uh with a talented club like that with a huge budget compared to us. Um, but you, you know, you just never know. I mean, when I got here, they said, you know, they were interested in me halfway through the year. Um, but yeah, you just never know. And so when I got here, there was a, a sense of, uh, freedom and, and comfort and, uh, Lukich, you know, not necessarily gave me the keys, but he, he told me he wanted me to, to be myself. And so he, he told me, you know, I saw what you did last year and that that's where I, you know, I want you to feel comfortable in coming here. I'm not trying to change you, but, you know, I want to help you grow as a player. And and so I've always felt comfortable coming here um, in that aspect. And so, yeah, there was probably some of last year that for sure helped me get here. But there's definitely been a sense of just letting me be myself um, this year. So
0: Nice. Yeah, we, we like to ask the BCL fans on Instagram for some questions. For the interview, so this one is from a fan, Bassy underscore training. He wants to know uh, what is the biggest challenge mentally or physically that you faced this season?
2: Um, I think the biggest challenge is the the competition level. I mean, you're playing against for me this year is VTB and Champions League, and each night there's no drop off. There's um, um, you know, whether you're playing, uh, Marcelino or Mike James, um, you know, you go to Alexi Shred and then, you know, we get, I get Paris Lee another night It's there. I mean, there's just no drop off. And so the challenge is, you know, to kind of, obviously the first challenge is, is taking care of yourself and taking care of your body so you can be healthy in these games and then once you come into these games having a plan of attack because all these guys have so many talents um you know and just figuring out a, a plan of attack against each and every one of these guys and so the competition level is is definitely um you know it's a challenge but it's a great opportunity and it's really fun too and so
0: yeah i've been enjoying that. yeah for sure yeah, some some great players uh that you gotta go up against every night especially especially at your position mm-hmm. um, this question is from petkov uh they want to know when will you come back to Bulgaria again
2: I think that's my teammate um actually <laughs> uh that we want that's our captain from Bulgaria so uh I definitely uh it was like oh, definitely on a high when we won our championship. And he was like, yeah, we'll definitely come back here sometime, you know, in the future. But yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, it's probably a little bit of a rhetorical question, but at the same time, the, the uh, memories there were definitely something special. And regardless, plan or not, I'd love to go back to walking at least one time in my life. And, and, you know, look back at the trophy, look back at the posters and maybe celebrate with some of the fans one more time. Cause it was a special city, special fans, fan club. And then our team was special too. So. Yeah, we've
1: had, uh, uh we've had players hijack our, our Instagram questions in the past. So it's not as, it's not a surprise. Um, Nell <laughs> nell.rbt dot asks, uh, do you think you can, you can win the BCL title? Maybe just how, how do you think you can do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you try to look at the the finish line too too much, and, and you focus too far down the road, you know, you can lose sight of what's right in front of you. And so, we, we don't play to not win, but at the same time, you know, we have a tough matchup of of Dijon in front of us, and so that's that's all our focus is. So, do I think we can win it? Yeah, but. We gotta go through Dijon first and then there'll be another test. So the first the first step, the first goal, the first all our focus and attention is on Dijon first. And so there's no looking ahead because there's nothing ahead if we can't get through them.
1: Cross that bridge when we get to it. Exactly. Uh we we also kinda like to ask uh, um, about some tattoos. Uh, notice that you have the Bible passage um uh, though I though I walk through the uh, valley of the shadow of death um, and everybody knows the rest of that, maybe just uh, what does that message kind of mean to you?
2: Um, <laughs> this message means to me, I got this from my grandmother. This is her, her favorite verse. Um, growing up, I used to go to church with her every Sunday. Um, and so when I got my first tattoo, um, you know, it was going to be, something I wanted. That was meant something to me, like you said, um, you know, your trials and tribulations, things you go through, um, just being able to believe and understand that, you know, you're not alone on this walk, whether, whatever it is, you're doing sport, life, whatever. Um, and so, uh, the f- story about this, this one is, uh, I, it was my first tattoo. And, uh, when I got it, my dad, he harped on me, Oh, you know, What's your grandmother gonna say? Da da da. And I said, "Little do you know, I got her favorite verse." So, and she was good with it. So, that's the storyline. That one.
0: Nice. Yeah. And then uh, just bringing it back to the BCL, you mentioned your head coach earlier, uh, Zoran Lukic, and him just kind of giving you the freedom to to be yourself. Uh, We've enjoyed watching him in the past few years in the BCL, how would you describe him as a, as a coach and as a person?
2: Um, I mean, if I had, if you had to tell me like pick a word, I would probably say like intense and intense, you know, on all fronts. I mean, he's intense in how he coaches, how he he lives, you know, how he, uh, he, you know, parents, how he lives life, how he, how he uh, cares about us um it's just everything is extreme with him it's very he's a very intense guy um and he he loves his job he's invested and in, you know he puts the time in and it shows not just this year obviously he's done great things here in nizhny and so uh yeah my short time here with him has been really enjoyable um obviously there's been ups and downs with our wins and losses but um you know Regardless of your age, at least for me, I try to you know learn stuff from every situation and thing I'm put in. And so, uh, you know, I've definitely learned some stuff from him. And uh, yeah, it's been a a fun year on that front. You know, there's he, like I said, very intense guy. There's there's emotions here and there, but at the end of the day, you know, you can tell he cares and he and he, and he definitely invests in his players.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and your opponents in the round of sixteen is Dijon. Uh, they have a lot of a lot of really good athletes on that team. And then at the point guard position, they've, they've got some good players with David Holston and Axel Julian. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do you guys go about kind of slowing them down? And, and what do you think is maybe like the biggest key to beating the French team? Um, I mean without giving out
2: too much of our plans. Right. I mean, obviously you said they're they're a very athletic team, uh, very fast. If you watch some of their games, they're, it's just, they're moving. And uh, obviously they share the ball and uh, it starts with their point guards really well. And then they have a lot of guys who can jump. And so for us, I think it, it's pretty simple. I mean, you got to try to slow the game down and, and that's their advantage is being fast and athletic and, Deep And so, um, you know, you try to throw some different things at them and slow them down. And then, uh, you know, counter as well. And so being able to maybe catch them off guard um, on the opposite end um, with our transition and, um, you know, some different sets. That's kind of how we go about that.
1: Not too many secrets, though. Don't give away too much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right, Uh, yeah. uh, uh, no, I mean a lot of respect for those guys. Uh, we uh, obviously they had a a, a, a really good. Uh, I'm forgetting the name now, but they won their French Cup, um, and they had the crazy alley oop play in the semis, and then they won in the championship. And so, uh, really talented team. A lot of respect for them. Their point guards. Um, I've been, you know, you, you follow the Champions League on you know Twitter and Instagram, and so. I've seen those guys, and yeah, really talented group, especially the playing guards. And so, like I said, looking forward to another opportunity playing against some really talented guys, and just seeing if we can raise that bar. All
1: right, last question. Uh, we were we talked earlier about how you guys are really strong at home, um, but you guys are also four and one in five games decided by three points or fewer. You only lost the the game to Gaziantep on the road. Uh, how much will that experience of, of of going through and and prevailing in tight games help, you know, and, and especially when you consider that the Dijon team really only played one game that was decided by five points, and that was a, a one point loss uh, at Falco. So maybe just talk about, you know, how much being in those game in so many tight games uh, will help you guys.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, the tight games, you know. Uh, just, just valuing possessions at the end of games and uh, being able to have different guys step up and do different things and being a, a selfless group, you know, uh, that kind of invest defensively as well. That's, that's just kind of been our thing is, you know, we're never too far out of it, especially in the, the VTB league with so much talent. Um, you know, you just try to come and break things down in quarters and then, you know, by the fourth quarter, if, whether it's 20 points or 13 points or 10 more five points, you know, it's never really safe. Um, and so like for us, being able to like get that separation at the end or make that comeback at the end has just kind of all kind of came down to like leaning on each other and be able to defensively hold each other accountable and then offensively trusting in each other and being selfish and passing up good shots for better shots. And so it's just kind of worked for us. And, um, yeah, there's so no much to say other than that. It's just kind of worked for us being able to trust each other and lean on each other.
1: All right, fantastic uh Brandon Brown from Nizhny Novgorod. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for uh uh bringing us around your uh really fascinating uh career through the game and uh and congratulations again on reaching the playoffs and uh now we all of us get to uh, to see the playoffs uh, coming up right around the corner. So, and good luck again uh, in the uh, in the series against Dijon.
2: I appreciate you guys having me and the, uh, this podcast this year has been really great. So, great job with that as well.
0: All right. Thanks again to Brandon Brown from Nizhny Novgorod for joining us on this week's show, Dave. A lot of really interesting stuff there. Brandon's had a, a fascinating
1: career. What did you think about what he had to say? You know, when we uh, when we um, we were talking about maybe having having him on the show. Uh, you know, pretty like midway through the, the regular, regular season. And then he won the MVP and then we, we decided to put it on hold a little bit. And, and while I was doing research for that, I, you, know, you look at the career of, you know, going to, you know, community college, NAIA, and then, you know, Australian second division, Brazil, Cyprus, um, you know, um, Poland, you know, uh, Bulgaria, and, and 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 now you know um, a quarter finalist, uh, a, a a round of sixteen, playoff team in the uh, in the BCL, um, and 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 doing that, you know, not getting there until the advanced age of uh, I believe he's thirty, right? Um, so you know that's you know that's that's not something that that you see a lot. Uh, so you know, I'm sure you know, I'm sure that that you know he talked about how. How uh, how how real magical that moment was last year of winning the championship. Um, also for him to 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 grab a, a title. Uh, so I was really looking forward to hearing about his his journey because that's not uh, that's not one you hear very often. And and so so it was cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. Incredible resilience from him to you know fight through those lower levels work his way up now the best player on one of the best teams in the champions league. And if he gets hot against Dijon, maybe he can lead Nizhny into the quarterfinals. Once you get there and anything can happen. Uh, so yeah, it's been really fun to watch Brandon Brown throughout the season. They've got a really exciting matchup with Dijon coming up in the round of 16. Make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of those games live or on demand. Visit the official website, championsleague.basketball, to stay up to date on all of the analysis and news and everything as we go through the round of 16 over the course of the next few weeks. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BasketballCL. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Dave, any final thoughts as we head into the playoffs next week?
1: March Madness is upon us, the uh, BCL version of it, um, and uh, can't wait. You know, this is you know we've been we've been waiting uh, going through the entire regular season who will get into these matchups, and now we have them. We were waiting on the draw who would be playing who, and we know now. And so uh, all the wait is uh, almost over, and by the time we talk again, uh, we'll have uh, we'll have our first games and. You know which of the road teams maybe grab a, 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 a um, you know a huge victory to, to start uh, to start the the playoffs. We'll see.
0: Yeah, it's going to be incredibly exciting to watch. The round of sixteen starts next week, Tuesday, March third, with two games. The other six will be on Wednesday, the third. Hopefully, everybody can stay healthy. Uh, hopefully, there are no issues with games being scheduled and uh, coronavirus uh, it's delaying some games. Hopefully, ev- everything can go off smoothly. So, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Brandon Brown from Nizhny Novgorod for joining us on the show this week. For Dave Hine over in Germany, my name is Austin Green. This has been BCL Coast to Coast, and we'll catch you next week to break down game one of the BCL round of 16.